I come into the conference finals with the mindset that we've got two great conference finals. You get the best backcourt in the NBA on the two-time defending champ Warriors in Clay and Steph versus CJ and Damian Lillard. CJ and Dame, Dame destroys Oklahoma City. CJ is actually the best player in the semifinals versus the Nuggets. They get to the conference finals. Sounds like a great matchup. On paper, it did. And look, even by the eye test, it looked like it was going to be a great matchup. And then the series began. And you saw the separation. Now look, going into the series, I didn't have Portland winning. I don't know if anybody had Portland winning the series. But I'll admit, I thought at a minimum, the Blazers would win one game and maybe get out two games assuming that C.J. and Dame would continue to play at the high level that they had played out throughout the first two rounds of the playoffs. Not to mention they had got solid contributions from their role players, which is always needed. But here we go against the Warriors, and it's a different monster because there's a lot of player movement. There's a lot of ball movement. And I thought what happened more than anything on both sides of the ball was, A, CJ and Dame struggled throughout the series. Look, the story of their series offensively is they were both inefficient. Yes, Golden State blitzed them. But when they had opportunities for the series, both of them shot under 40%. Both struggled from three. But I thought what was more glaring, what stood out even more as I watched the series progress, Maybe I should be more impressed with the fact that Damian Lillard and C.J. McCullough got that group to the conference finals. The Blazers are one of the most least talented teams in the NBA. When you look at C.J. McCullough, when you look at Damian Lillard, and then the rest of that roster, remember, Aminu and Harkless are your starting forwards. And there were multiple games where they gave you a combined five points. And I could see them stand on the floor if they were both like elite defenders who could shut people down. But they're not that either. They're not knockdown shooters. They can't create their own shots. So you start off with two guys who can't score. Two non-scorers, two non-shooters. And then you have Ennis Cantor, great offensive rebounder, can get stickbacks, but a horrible defender. And he's not a shooter either. So now you've got your star backcourt going against the Golden State Warriors, a team that's got a tremendous team defense when they're locked in. And it's that time of the year where they lock in, where they focus, where the helper helps the helper, and so on and so on. And their rotations are quick and they're aggressive. And they're playing against a team who starts the series out. Their starting five has three non-scorers. I don't understand how Portland has a legitimate shot to win that series. And it doesn't help that Damon C.J., are lesser versions of themselves throughout the series. And on defense, I thought Damian Lillard and C.J. McCallum got exposed. It's one thing to guard someone who comes straight at you one-on-one. It's another thing to have to chase Clay and Steph off of all those actions, off of all those screens and ball movement. As Jeff Van Gundy said, you have to make first, second, and third efforts on each possession And the first time you take a breath and you pause, one of them comes clear and gets a wide open shot and they hit a three and you play great defense for 20 seconds and it only takes one mistake for them to get the upper hand. 
On the other hand, since Game 5, when Kevin Durant went out, Steph Curry has been playing next level. For the series, Steph averaged 36 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists, 46% from the floor, 42% from 3, 93% from the line. Clay gave you 21. Draymond almost averaged a triple-double, 16, 11, and 8, with two steals and just under three blocks. I'm with Steve Kerr. This is the best I've ever seen Draymond Green play. I give him a lot of credit for getting in the shape. And now he looks like an all-star caliber player again. He is the perfect, I would say Draymond Green might be the blueprint for what somebody would call a complimentary star, because that's what he is. He's terrific in a lot of areas, but not great at any one. Kevin Looney averaged over 10 points a game in the series. They were getting contributions from Jordan Bell, Afonso McKinney, not to mention the usual from Iguodala and Livingston. Golden State's overall bench production has struggled throughout the season. But for the series, they averaged almost 30 points a game. And if they're going to give you that kind of production or close to that in the finals, then I think the Warriors are going to be a lot more formidable in the finals than a lot of us thought they would be. And granted, I know a lot of people, the way they whitewashed the Blazers, the way they're heading into the finals, the role that they're on, the level that Steph's playing at right now, along with Clay, the Warriors are going to be the favorites. They're going to look at the East and see that Toronto, along with the Bucks, are in a struggle in a 2-2 series, a really good series, and they're going to favor Golden State. And I get it. You're talking about the two-time defending champs, and right, rightfully so. I, I think the Warriors should be favored, but I will say this. The te- depending on the matchups, ultimately, I think that's going to decide our NBA champion. I think it's impressive how Toronto has shown that they're gamers. Have they sucked it up and found a way to get back into this series? But if Toronto beats the Bucks some kind of way, I actually think that they're an easier matchup for Golden State. I just don't think they have a variety of offensive talent. I don't think they have the firepower to be able to hang with Golden State. Too much is put on Kawhi Leonard's shoulder. And right now, he's ha- he's hampered. He's got a sore knee. So he's not even 100%. He's gutting it out. And he was a warrior the other night when they beat the Bucks the other night by 18. He was a warrior. Played solid defense of Giannis. Still gave them 19 points, four steals. But if he's not healthy, and they should win the series, and he's not healthy, and they go play Golden State. Matter of fact, if he's healthy, and they end up playing the Warriors, the Warriors are going to three-peat. I think the one team that can match up with Golden State and present some problems from Golden State from a physicality standpoint and a size standpoint, not to mention their ability to stretch the floor, very similar to Golden State because they have an array of shooters, are the Bucks. But right now, they're in a tough series. The Raptors have gotten back into the series. They've loaded up on Giannis, and they're starting to defend him the way you should defend him. He is a post player. He's a post player with a handle in the open floor of a perimeter player. But in a half-court set, he is a post player. And you have to defend him the way you defend Shaq, the way you would defend Olajuwon or Hakeem, or anybody like that. That's how you have to defend Giannis. You've got to get a body behind him, get bodies in front of him. And when he catches the ball, you have to double him immediately before he goes into a spin mode or does a strong drop step. Giannis, in my opinion, 
I've always said this. He's a center. He doesn't look like the typical center. He doesn't move like one. He doesn't handle the ball like one. But he's a center. He's a post player. Most of his points come from the restricted area. He's a zero-range player. He, he's not, he gives you next to nothing outside of the restricted area. If he grabs a rebound, goes coast to coast, and gives you a Euro, it's a dunk, it's an and one, it's always a good thing for the Bucks. If he catches the ball at the top of the key and he can ISO your big, he's going to Euro, dunk, more of the same. Wash, repeat, rinse, you know, the whole routine over and over and over. But if you load up and if you commit strongly, not wait, but double early and commit strongly, it's a challenge for him because you're not allowing him to build up that momentum where he can get that hard dribble and take those two long strides and get to the rim. I don't know if the Raptors have enough to win this series, but I'm going to give them some props for getting back into the series and making it a series. But as an NBA fan that wants the very best matchup and want to see the very best series, my gut instinct is that Milwaukee presents the best challenge to Golden State. And I want to see that series. I want to see the Greek freak, Chris Middleton and company, versus Clay, Steph, Draymond at their very best. And look, for a bonus, maybe we get KD back. Maybe we get Boogie back as well. I've had some friends say that they think Milwaukee wins no matter what. I'll say this. I don't think Golden State can win versus Milwaukee without KD. I think they need his firepower. I think they need his ability to get buckets when things go wrong to offset what Giannis can do. It's going to be a great series if it takes place. And look, I don't think the Raptors can beat them, but I don't think they're going to run through the Raptors the way they ran through the Blazers. Back in a second. In an interview with The Atlantic, Andre Iguodala said, I think he's the second best ever, speaking of Steph Curry. Iguodala said, I always thought of that way about him. I knew, but other people didn't know. So I wasn't surprised when he took over that series. I always gave Tony Allen credit because playing against him made you understand the grind of how hard it is to win. It's supposed to be hard. You're supposed to have to find another way. It's supposed to be uncomfortable. And Steph just embraced that. It's just ingrained. He's just ingrained that into his system. And it's been there ever since. Yeah, I, I think Steph's toughness, his mental toughness, is a little underrated. And the statement that he's the second best point guard of all time, while I wouldn't agree with that right now, I will say this. Steph Curry's career is far from over. And he's adding to his resume. He's adding to his legacy. He's already been part of three championship teams. He's already been part of a team that's gone to five straight finals. The only thing that's missing from his resume is a finals MVP. He's already run, won two regular season MVPs, and he's the only unanimous selected MVP in the history of the NBA. And that's an incredible achievement and accomplishment. That said, him being the greatest shooter of all time, I don't think nobody will really dispute that. But basketball is more than a, it's not a one-on-one -on -one game. And it's not a who's the best at playing around the world. It's how great are you 
when there are nine other players on the floor with you? And how can you react and anticipate? Can you be a step ahead? Can you be productive when you're challenged, when you're not playing well or not shooting well? Steph's a great player. He's picked it up starting from the second half or particular third quarter of game five versus the Rockets, and he's been great. But you know how this works. The NBA continually fluctuates who's the best player in the game. First it was Giannis. Then KD was playing lights out. He had to save them in the first round. Now it's Kawhi. Now people are back to Steph. What I will say about Steph is, as terrific a player as he is, he's not the best player in basketball. He's not the second best player in basketball. He's not the third best player in basketball. He's a terrific player. I think Steph's a top five player. I don't argue about him being the greatest shooter ever. He's a unique talent, and I think that his unique talent, his skill set, has changed the game in a lot of ways because traditional basketball was inside out. Even when it became more modified, you defended the three-point line. Steph has come in and said, you have to defend every, every area of the court. Steph said, I can shoot from the hash. And he can do that. He can shoot from the hash without breaking form. So he's unique, especially in the sense that he can shoot with that kind of range off the dribble. Most people can catch and shoot, or they'll break form. He can do both without breaking form, and that's amazing. But I don't think he's the best player in the game. He's just not. It's not I don't think. He's out and out not the best player in basketball. He's never been the best player in basketball but he might be one of the most unique players in the, in, in the history of the NBA. I, there's no question of that. There's no might. Let me revise that. He is one of the three most unique players in the history of this league. And I love the NBA. That's how special a player, that's how big an impact Steph has had on the game. I've got magic number one amongst point guards. Steph is more of a combo guard. And he plays on a different team. So Magic was more of a facilitator. Magic would give you 19 or 20 points a game, 10 or 11 assists, 7 or 8 rebounds. Steph is going to give you around 7 assists a game. And that's because Draymond plays some point. Iguodala plays some point. They move the ball around. Hey, Clay averages 3 assists. KD gives you almost 6 assists a game. So he plays in a different type of system. He's more of a shooter. Steph averages around 19 to 20 shots per game. Isaiah Thomas, who was considered somewhat of a shooting or scoring point guard, averaged about 16 shots per game. And for his career, Zeke averaged 19 points and 9 assists. I think we can't underrate Steph Curry's impact. What I will say is, to determine where he ranks among the all-time greats, we have to wait and see. We have to let his career play out. It's playing out in front of us right now. If the Warriors go on to 3 P, that will mean Steph is part of four titles in five seasons. Never mind whether or not he wins the finals MVP. I think the winning, along with his all-star selections and the numbers he's going to accumulate over his career, it's going to elevate him in the all-time list. He might go further than some of the all-time greats in terms of, I'm talking about point guards on the all-time list, but he might not rank ahead of them in position, right? So if you say, was Steph Curry a greater point guard 
than Oscar Robinson? Probably not. But his impact of the game, was it greater than the Big O's? In this game, the way the league has changed and the way he's helped change it, yeah, his impact is that great. But it's still a, it's not an individual sport. It is a star-driven league, and I've said that over and over again. The, the NBA is run by the individual great talents and what talent is put around them. Steph is a gifted player. What he did in the last series versus the Blazers, 36-8-7, that's crazy. The field goal percentage, the efficiency, the clutch shooting. His shot making sometimes can just take the air out of opposing fans. Can you imagine the fan base? You're cheering, you're psyched, your team is up one, Steph hits the three, and it's like a sock to your stomach. It's just a gut punch. Um, That's the force of his threes. His threes have the force of somebody doing a tomahawk dunk or two or three people. His threes are the all, it's, it's like the new and one. I'm not there yet on Steph being the second greatest point guard of all time, but I've always got an open mind to let guys' careers play out. I think Steph is rising on any all-time list. Where he finishes is going to be interesting. But I think as long as he keeps getting selected to all-star games, as long as his team wins titles, because I don't think they're done, as long as they stay relevant, which I think they're going to stay relevant whether they keep KD or not, I think Steph Curry's, the sky's the limit where he can finish in terms of all-time great players. He's building his resume. And, and I'm always fair about that. Whenever people question what LeBron is or isn't, I'm always fair enough to say he's still building his resume. He, resume. He's not done yet. It's hard as fans when we talk about great players. It, it's hard because sometimes you just want to talk about their greatness, talk about their achievements, Talk about the numbers they've put up, some of the great shots they've made, their signature moments. But what happens is when we get into comparison, when we get into that thing where we compare one great player to another, what happens? It seems like when you compare one great to another, you end up diminishing one player to elevate the other. And I hate, I hate doing that. I hate comparing Steph Curry to Magic Johnson. I don't want to compare Kobe Bryant to LeBron James. Or, or LeBron James and Michael Jordan, or Hakeem Olajuwon to Kareem. But I know how that works. There's this all-time great basketball penthouse, this huge hotel, and it's full of nothing but all-time great basketball players. I understand that. And there's levels. There's the first floor, then there's the 20th floor, then there's the penthouse. And in that penthouse, if you're in that penthouse, Michael Jordan, if you're in that penthouse, LeBron James, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Duncan, maybe one day even Steph Curry. If you're in that penthouse, you're in that conversation, Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain. You're in that conversation of who's the GOAT. So then it's your numbers. Then it's the winning. Then it's your signature moments. And when you get into that, no matter how, how much you admire all the great players, when you say, well, I think this guy is better because of this reason, because of that moment, that game, that series, it sounds like you're diminishing the other player. When someone doesn't agree with a Shannon Sharp or a Nick Wright that LeBron's not the greatest, 
immediately the response is, you don't like LeBron. You don't admire LeBron. You don't respect LeBron's career. And I disagree with that. We don't have to agree who's the GOAT to still acknowledge how great all the other players are. Magic Johnson is my all-time favorite player, notwithstanding all the insane drama that's going on with the Los Angeles Lakers that I refuse to get into because it's silly, isn't it? It's just silly. It's silly, and in the big picture, it means nothing to me. I need to know only one thing as a fan, as a Laker fan. Can you get another star player to pair with LeBron James to where the Lakers can contend again? You either can do that as an organization or you can't. I don't care if you all get along behind the scenes. I just want you to be productive and have an actual plan to take the franchise forward. That's all that matters to me. But back to the great players. It's hard to compare. And I, I, I hate that, but we always do that. And maybe sometimes you get your cue from members of the media or, or TV shows because you get some of these, these, these shock jocks who run their mouths and try to get into the heads of players and they start talking about things that they couldn't possibly know that, well, Kevin Durant doesn't like Steph Curry or Steph, Clay, and Draymond are going out their way to prove they don't need KD. I think Steph, Clay, Draymond, Iggy, Steve Kerr, and crew are going out their way to prove that they're the two-time defending champs and they're on a mission to three-peat. They like the three-peat with Kevin Durant, but if KD's not available, they're not going to lay down. Their, series, their season is not going to end. They're trying to win it all again. And the truth of the matter is, what I will acknowledge is, are they good enough without KD to win the title? Depending on the matchups, I'd say yes. If you're asking me, can they win the title without KD versus the Milwaukee Bucks, I would say no. What they did against Portland was impressive. And you could say what well, proves they don't need KD. I would just say it proves they don't need him versus, Gold, versus the Blazers. And they didn't. Someone said, well, that just shows their greatness. I go, well, some of this is common sense. Clay and Steph are better than CJ and Dane. Draymond is better than any member of the Blazers' front line. Iggy is better than most of their starting players. The Blazers are not a very talented team. They're not even supposed to be in the conference finals. Props to them for upsetting the Nuggets in the semis. That shouldn't have happened, but again, it did. I can't wait to see who ends up playing Golden State in the finals. As a fan, I look forward to it. How can you not? I'll be back next week, hopefully previewing the NBA finals. And when I come back, we're going to do some more questions and responses. We haven't done that in a while. We're going to get back into questions and responses because I love responding to all the comments and questions. Thanks and shout out to the Facebook fam. Good looking out to the YouTubers, to the Anchor family, and to PodCoin. Hey, the great thing about PodCoin, if you love listening to podcasts, the beauty of PodCoin is you get paid to listen. So check out PodCoin, listen to your favorite podcast, and get paid to listen. It's the Cypher, next week, next time. Peace.